In this very room There's quite enough love For all the world And in this very room There's quite enough joy For all the world And there's quite enough love And quite enough power To walk through our every fear For spirit One spirit Is in this very room In this very room In this very room. And so I invite you to know with me in this moment, allowing my prayer to be your prayer. Allow my words to be a portal for an experience for you. And if not, just let them wash over you. But I know as I turn within, as you turn within with me, I'm aware of a presence. And I'm so beautifully reminded of it by the beautiful music this morning, by the harmony by the love that I sense each and every time we come together in community. I'm reminded of the truth of my being, that God is everywhere present, that spirit is everywhere present, in and through and as all of life. And so we are here on this Easter Sunday, 2014, each one of us uniquely orbed, experienced, and potentialized as to what our gifts and contributions will be from this point forward. And the indicators for me are looking back in my life and seeing all the wonders, the teachers, the insights, and those breathless moments that have informed my spirit and my mind and my being and my body to this moment. And so I stand with great gratitude knowing that life is eternal. That you and I have choices to make not because we have to but because we can because it is our opportunity and so I give thanks this day knowing that every good thing necessary for my continued understanding and depth is made available as it is for you and I know that as I open up to that as I reveal that as I surrender to that it becomes more tangible beautiful and wonderful and so I stand in this physical plane and I stand in the spiritual plane and I balance the two and I invite you to join me in that dance. It is beautiful. And so let us stand together knowing that something wonderful is happening here and now because we choose it, we nurture it and we continue to reach for that thought. For this I give thanks and great gratitude and appreciation for community, for music, for laughter, for love and joy. I release these words knowing that this day is right and perfect in every good way for each and every one of us. And together we say, and so it is. <clears throat> well, here we are, Easter 2014. And it's just, it's, you know, we've done this in a variety of ways. And uh, we've done this at the Windspear. And uh, we, we were going to do it again at the Windspear, and we realized... Uh, Sometimes it's a big reach for us. So I want to thank everyone that helped put this together today. 
you know, that, and it's such a great example of how we sometimes think about events and think about life as a progression, it, it, that we, it must progress, it must get bigger and bigger and bigger. And really, these rites of passage, Easter, Christmas, and by the way, those of you that, that missed Christmas, I'd like to wish you a, a Merry Christmas in case I don't see you till next year again, but <laughs> it's nice to have you here. But it's, it's really about, this journey is really about the rites of passage. Are we doing another song? Okay. Well, I just want to say hi for a moment, and then I'll shut up. <laughs> Isn't that part of the joy of this? And are you singing again? Beautiful. Thank you. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved
Lovely. Thank you so much. And it is my pleasure now to introduce Nathan Aswell. Thank you for joining us, Nathan. Did you drive up today? No. No? Yesterday? No, I flew in yesterday. Oh, you flew in. Good for yeah. you. Smart thinking. Welcome. It's nice to have you back. Here's one that we all know and love. Please join in and sing. Here comes the sun, here comes the sun, and I say it's all right. Little darling, it's been a long, cold, lonely winter. Little darling, it feels like years since it's been here. Here comes the sun, do-do-do-do. Here comes the sun, I say, it's all right. Little darling, the smiles return into their faces. Little darling, it seems like years since it's been here. Here comes the sun, do-do-do-do. Here comes the sun, I say, it's all right. Sun, 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 here it comes. 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 Little darling, I see the snow is slowly melting. Little darling, it seems like years since it's been clear. Here comes the sun, do-do-do-do Here comes the sun, and I say, it's all right Oh, it's all right Oh, it's all right Thank you Thank you, Nathan. Thank you, musicians and choir and Martin. Okay, now I can talk. Good. You can teach an old dog new tricks. It's just when I sing that song, it's, I'm just so used to heading off into the, the great beyond with you. Anyway, what I wanted to, I was, uh, I was saying a little bit earlier was there's a tendency in our culture to, to always want to expand or improve. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, every year there's new cars and new fashion. In fact, some of my clothes are so old now they're new again, if you know what I mean. But, but um, for me, what I realized is um, 
around these celebrations, Christmas and Easter, it's, it's really around cycles and circles and seasons. And so, you know, for us to come together and, you know, so many of us, the Easter can always be uh, different for us. You know, it can be, this could be a really joyful Easter for us, or it could be an Easter of transformation, it could be an Easter of, of sadness, it can be an Easter of, of boredom. And so there's many, many aspects to Easter, and we've got our, we've got our happy Easter sign up there. So I want to begin with a, a few slides that I think speak to kind of what the, the celebration of Easter is, and, and, and expand on that a little bit, and then we'll move into a little different perspective on it. But, you know, Easter has a lot of different uh, aspects to it. And I'm going to invite uh, the next slide up there. So, not a great picture, but a couple of ducks that are breaking out of their Easter eggs, which is an indication to me that somebody didn't check the eggs before they boiled them. <laughs> but the whole egg thing is very interesting, because when Lent was, uh, was the, the ritual of Lent was introduced, uh, there was a, an agreement not to eat eggs. And so at that point in time, when all this was happening, people had a lot of chickens, and so they had a lot of eggs. And so at the end of, of Lent, it was a tradition, and so they would hard-boil the eggs and save them. And at the end of that uh, particular period of time, then there, were, there was a lot of eggs that were being consumed. And so with that whole egg thing. And the, the egg also represents that, the, the metaphor of the tomb that, that uh, Jesus of Nazareth uh, emerged from. So it's quite interesting. So anybody here been on an Easter egg hunt uh, today yet? Going? About three people. Okay, good. <laughs> we won't use the eggs again next year, but, but anyway. And then, there's, of course, there's a, one of my favorites, the chocolate bunny. Anybody here going to do chocolate bunny today besides me? Yeah, there we go. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so it's, once again, it's a celebration coming out of this sort of sense, uh, this uh, period of, um, um, of uh, discipline and monitoring what one's consuming and all of a sudden coming back into the sweetness, which is quite an interesting uh, where it's gone from, you know, ancient times to today. Here's a, here's a cartoon of a, uh, a bear dipping the bunny into chocolate fondue, which is a nice, I, I thought that was a nice idea, expanding on the idea of the chocolate bunny. Probably a Canadian bear and a Canadian bunny. And of course, jelly beans, which these come from, uh, these were grown in southern Alberta, southeast corner. <laughs> from the Big Rock Candy Mountain. Actually, I googled that, and uh, there is a big rock candy mountain. It's in Utah. And then this is a little cartoon. It says, take the gra-. there's the Easter bunny and the, uh, the Thanksgiving turkey, and they're having a beer, and the- it says, take the groundhog. Now, that's a sweet gig. <laughs> you know, wouldn't it be nice? Instead of delivering all these Easter baskets, all you'd have to do is show up and, and see if your shadow's there or not. I mean, that's a nice job. So it's all about consciousness. But I wanted to talk a little bit about this season, and one of the reasons that I asked Nathan to sing "You Are uh, Here Comes the Sun" is because it really is about light. This whole, um, you know, at, at Christmas we celebrate the solstice, and the solstice is a wonderful thing because it is so dark, and 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 we long for the light, and it's so much fun. At least having been here now a number of winters to to see the light coming back, it's like wow, this is great. And Laura and I first came here, we, it was like 11 o'clock at night. I said, should we have a fourth meal or should we try to go to sleep? Because I don't know what to do. It's a long day. But, so, but, but this, this beautiful saying that uh, arises out of this, this, this um, tradition of Easter time. And I mentioned earlier about, you know, where are you on your journey in terms of what Easter means to you this year? And I think I, I, I've been called back a number of times to this 
I, I watched the uh, police officer in, in Calgary yesterday that uh, did the, or two days ago, did the press conference. His son had murdered his uh, classmates at that party. And it just, something like that just cracks you open. And I thought about here, I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to today and I'm looking forward to the celebration and, and sharing ideas. And it's always such a joy to be, to be in this relationship with Spirit and with this community. But I, I keep thinking about that family and, and how impactful that experience has been for the parents of the young boy that actually uh, committed the, uh, this uh, atrocious act and the parents of the, the victims as well. And, and I thought about the power of prayer. This month is uh, our, our, our discipline and our practices, the emphasis is on prayer. But what I know about prayer is that prayer can be so powerful. It can be such an impactful um, conveyance of love. And what I know about that as well is that, that my most effective, I believe most effective form of prayer is, can be when I'm, when I'm quiet and when I'm at peace and when I feel connected, when I feel connected to that vibration that's greater than myself. And so what I, I would like to do and, and, and invite you to join me, let's take uh, 30 seconds and just simply go within and offer prayer to these folks that are going through this experience in Calgary, wherever anyone else that comes to mind for you to offer prayer, to offer our love. And the, west, the best way to do that I know is to just simply love God the way you know God. And maybe through the form of a child or a grandparent or whatever it may be. But I'll be quiet for, for 30 seconds here. And let's just offer our hearts and our compassion and our love to those people. And so we just give thanks for this opportunity to come together in purposeful thoughtfulness, mindfulness, offering our prayers and our love and support, knowing that each person, the victims, the victimizer, and all the families, the entire community of Calgary, and anyone else that has been in any way, shape, or form impacted by this, we offer love and support and know in our thinking that everyone has everything they need, including those that are no longer with us physically. And for this I give thanks and gratitude and appreciation. And so it is. And what, I, and what I know about that activity for myself is it puts me into a different place. It takes me out of the frustration that, that I feel and the, the sadness I feel in this hour. For a moment or two it puts me into a place of, of the sacred. And I know that when I stand in that more clearly and more consistently, that, that life is different. And I think that was the message that was conveyed by this um, amazing teacher. You know, we talk about this tradition as if we honor, and, and we do, we honor all teachings and all traditions. Because what we understand is it's not, it's not the path, but it is the, the journey and the destination and the revelation. You know, what, what it says in Scripture is that the truth will set you free. And I don't... I think what is meant by that, because I know many people whose truth does not look like freedom, but it's their truth. 
and I have to honor it because it's their truth. And it's not my job to wrestle it away from them or convert, convert them. But what I know about the truth, what the truth will do is, is ask me to look deeply in my life to where I am and to continue to do that work. And then the, 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 the nature of my perception shifts and changes and then the nature of how I perceive truth and my relationship with the infinite changes. So what the truth will do for me is it'll, it'll require me to go deeper. And in that, in that deepening and that insight, I am changed. And so what I believe the teacher Jesus was talking about, his whole life was around consciousness. And I want to give you a little bit of a, a, a history about how some of these uh, traditions and some of these ideas were carried forth. The next slide talks about uh, myth and metaphor. And myth, there's, and, and Joseph Campbell was a wonderful scholar. He was an anthropologist, a cultural anthropologist, and wonderful, amazing books. He wrote The Hero with a Thousand Faces. And he was able to track back uh, a number of the ideas that we celebrate as, as Easter. And this idea of Messiah, because this, this, this tradition, I was raised with the idea that Jesus was the Messiah, but I never knew where that came from. And it was actually the Persians that adopted it first. The Persians developed this idea that someone was going to come along, what they had established was really running well and it was really healthy and vibrant, and then it started to go sideways a little bit. And so the Persians had this idea that one day someone will come and we will call them the Messiah and it will bring order back to the, the structure of the kingdom. Well, the, Jews, the Jewish tradition got a hold of that, and they adopted it for themselves. And so they had a number of kings. For the Jews, it was also an earthly king. It was a physical presence that was going to bring a status back to the, to the nation of Israel so that it would be recognized with all other, other nations. And so that was the longing for that experience. Then when, when Jesus came along and had his his experience with life, it was adopted by that new movement, and he became, he was bestowed as the, the Messiah. But the Messiah is an ancient term. And so many of the things that we, we celebrate um, come from antiquity. And I'll, I have a point with all of this, but I want to just point to a few other the, uh, the examples of this. Both um, the Buddha, who came along 500 years before Jesus, both the Buddha and Jesus went through this series of temptations after Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. And so John the Baptist, they theorized, was an Essene, and Essenes were the, sort of the mystical tradition and branch of an offshoot of, of the Ju Judaic uh, tradition at the time. So John the Baptist was a teacher and he was baptizing people, be born again of the water, it was his second birth. And so Jesus spent time with him. They say he was baptized, but he probably spent some time uh, sharing information as well. And after that, he went out into the desert for 40 days and 40 nights, which, which is a, 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 a duplication of what Moses did. The Jewish tradition wandered in the desert for 40 years. So here's Jesus' story, his narrative being adapted to what the tradition had been prior to that. So there's a connection there because when this, was, when this happened, it was, uh, as the story was told, it was the connection because Jesus, Jesus was a rabbi. He was born in the Jewish tradition. And so when he went out into the desert, he had three temptations. And the temptations were um, uh, money, that, you know, the, the temptation was use your powers to develop all kinds of, of wealth. Another temptation was political. And the third temptation was spiritual, to use your spiritual power to, to flaunt it and to be uh, overt with it and to, you know, to use it in a, in a materialistic way. And so what Jesus did at that point in time was he rejected all three, but he had to pull them up and look at them and decide, was he going to run with these or not? Am I going to live my life by this or am I going to act upon this? 
And so the way it's conveyed in that narrative is that it's the, the temptations, that, that this, this, this presence outside of him is tempting him in the form of a devil, when in fact, it's all of our inner nature. It's, a, it's all of our inner being and knowing with these questions along the way. How am I going to act? How am I going to respond? Well, 500 years earlier, the Buddha had a very similar experience. He went out and he had the temptations. And at the time, it was called, the, the Buddha's temptations were called uh, Kamamara. And Kamamara meant uh, lust and greed. And he overcame the same thing as Jesus. So it's inter- isn't it interesting how the narrative gets carried along through generation? And I'm not saying it didn't happen. But at the time that, that the Buddha had withstood the temptations, the earth goddess, he touched his, his hand to the earth, and the earth goddess said to him, this is my beloved son. Now, isn't this quite interesting? A little, very similar to what some of the language that we find in Christianity. But the, the Buddha heard from this earth goddess, this is my beloved son, who through many lifetimes has given so much of himself that there is nobody here. He has a right to this spot. And that night, the Buddha sat under the, the Bodhi tree and reached enlightenment. And it, it, isn't it fascinating how these stories are similar? And I think the important thing about that is, uh, from my perspective, is, is that within our archetypes, within our spiritual being, there are, there, there are stories and there are themes that run true for all of us. And, you know, I used to, I used to get hung up on this thing, is it historical or not? Did Jesus even live? And, and uh, one of my great teachers said to me, you know, Joseph Campbell, who I love, said, it doesn't matter whether the thing happened or not. To be true. And I thought, hmm, isn't that interesting? Because the truth, the thread of truth within these narratives is about you and I. It is about the Christ consciousness. It is about the Buddha nature that can come alive in all of us. And so the, the, the temptations were an amazing, uh, because what happened then with both Jesus and Buddha at that time is they had gone beyond the highest level of teaching of the time, is what it represents. Their consciousness had moved them, their awareness had moved them into a different experience. There was the, uh, the crucifixion. The crucifixion has, uh, uh, we'll put a cross up there in a moment, but the, cru- the crucifixion is Carl Jung did, and Carl Jung was an amazing thinker, amazing mystic and, and researcher and psychologist and psychiatrist and a student and contemporary of Sigmund Freud. And Jung went off into the spiritual vein. But Carl Jung said the cross represents, the left and the right of the cross represent the feeling and the thinking. And the up and down is the, sens- uh, is the sensation and the intuition. And Jung did extensive work around this, but the cross has been around forever. The cross is a symbol that has been with us forever. And what Jung says about that is that some of us are drawn to our intuition over our sensation. And some of us are drawn to feeling over thinking. Some are more emotional, some are more analytical. And sometimes for all of us, as Jung said, we can be trapped in one of those those quadrants. But it really is for all of us to live in a, in a, in a healthy pattern, in a balanced pattern of understanding that we, we stand in both worlds. This was the, the lesson also of Buddha and it was the lesson of Jesus, is that we stand in the material and the spiritual. That's why we're in form. And to, and to spiritualize our thinking and to spiritualize our, our physical form was his, it was his entire message. And then, oh, and then Judas. Anybody here ever hear Judas besides me? At the Last Supper, and Joseph Campbell writes extensively about this, beautifully articulated. He says, you know, Judas was at the Last Supper, and and Jesus declared at that point, as it's recorded, uh, that, um, and once again, whether it happened or not, it's true. See, we all need a Judas in our lives. 
Carlo Castaneda said we need a worthy adversary because it forces us to grow. It forces us to shape ourselves and to make the changes that are necessary. And so when we understand that, it's like, wow. Because I believe Judas was the most, um, the most highly evolved of the, the apostles. That's what his consciousness represented. So Jesus knew that he could count on him. And he took, he said, whoever accepts this sop from me, they were having dinner, and he said, whoever accepts this from me will betray me. And Joseph, Joseph Campbell says, I don't believe that was a prophecy, that was, a, that was a, an order. And he handed it to Judas, because he knew Judas could do it for him, and Judas would follow through. Because he knew intuitively that there was, this needed to happen for himself. You see, and what, what so it's, it's a powerful season. And when we own this, this, this Christ consciousness for ourselves, so this opportunity to awaken, and I'm gonna, we're going to invite Martin to come up and share another song with you, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap this up a little bit around the ideas of how we carry this, this forward for ourselves as, a, as an opportunity. But it's, it's such an amazing, amazing story. The archetypes are with us for a reason. These, these metaphors and myths are with us because they, they, they speak to all of us in our hearts. And, and so we can honor all the traditions. And some people will tell you that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And when people tell me that, I go, good for you. Because I can understand that in my heart, his example that he laid down for me is, is, is part of my path. It is part of my direction. I may not, I may not have the same mindset. I may not hold the same uh, thoughts and ideas in my heart. But, but God bless people that, that are connected in some way to their spirituality. You know, I think what happens, you know, with this incident in, in Calgary, we have young men that are just lost. You know, when I was 17 years old, I was lost too. But I had enough people around me and coaching around me. And God bless the people in the environment I was in. So I knew that even though as angry as I would get at times and frustrated as I would get at times, I, I, could, I could find meaningful and purposeful distractions in my life. And part of it for me was a spiritual why am I so angry, I'd ask myself. Why does this upset me so much? Because I know there's a way to be in the world in a different way. I want to have that, I have that, that Buddha nature, that Christ consciousness. I, I don't want to be thrown into this spin. But that awareness was alive in me. And, and for others, when we reach despair, it's so easy to, to lash out in anger and frustration. But God is present in all of it. God, they're, they're just responding in a way that is just so uh, disappointing. And... and and in many ways, you know, I don't understand all of it, but I want it to be different. So when I see that, it's a call for me to do my spiritual practice. So I'm going to invite Martin to come up and do another song with you, this beautiful, amazing man that I just adore, and, uh, and I'll be back to share a few more ideas with you. Well, I heard there was a secret chord that David played and it pleased the Lord. But you don't really care for music, do ya? Well, it goes like this, the fourth, the fifth, the minor fall and the major lift. The barefoot king composing hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. We are faith. 
Faith was strong, but you needed proof. You saw her bathing on the roof, her beauty and the moon that overthrew you. And she tied you to her kitchen chair, and she broke your throne, and she cut your hair, and from your lips she drew the hallelujah, 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 Baby, I've been here before You know I've seen this room And I've walked this floor I used to live alone Before I knew you And I've seen your flag On the marble arch And love is not a victory march It's a cold and it's a broken Hallelujah Hallelujah, 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 Hallelujah. Well, there was a time when you let me know. What's real and going on below But now you never show that to me, do you? And remember when I moved in you And the only dove was moving too And every breath we drew was Hallelujah, hallelujah Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. Maybe there's a God above. But all I've ever learned from love Was how to shoot somebody you out true, yeah And it's not a cry that you hear at night It's not somebody you see in the light It's a call and it's a broken Hallelujah 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 Hallelujah, 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 Hallelujah,
Mr. Martin Kerr, ladies and gentlemen. Yep. Nothing more humbling than that. Get up and talk for 20 minutes, the guy gets up for three and gets everybody on their feet. Beautiful, beautiful. Sweet. Oh, golly. I just, you know, hallelujah is, is uh, praise to God. That's all it is, praise to God. I know I'm over there wiping tears away too. It's just, when, you know, it's, it's just, it's here. You know, it's, it's heaven is not a destination, it's here. And yet, I don't live in it hardly at all. I get busy with my life, and so spiritual practice allows me to slow down. You know, Center for Spiritual Living, it's like the call to spend more time in my, in my spiritual practice. When uh, I wanted to speak a little bit about this, this nature of, of this event that took place, and as, and as I said earlier, I don't know if all of it is factual, but I know that all of it's true because it speaks to the metaphors within my life, the myths, the metaphors, and the archetypes in my own life. And so I wanted to just share a bit about that as we, uh, uh, we move to, towards the conclusion of our, our celebration today. But there's a wonderful quote, and I'm uh, going to invite uh, Suzanne to pop it up there. It's the one that says, destroy this temple. Beautiful quote. Is it up? There it is. It says, destroy this temple. When, when uh, Jesus was talking to the apostles, and this is from uh, the Gospel of John, he says, destroy this temple, which he meant the body. Destroy this temple, and in three days, I, meaning consciousness, will rise up. Destroy this temple, the body, and I, meaning his consciousness, will rise up. And so this is quite significant in terms of what this event was about. What... He's demonstrating is what inspired Dr. Ernest Holmes and all the great metaphysical teachers that came along have gifted us with. If you notice, he doesn't say, my Father in heaven will rise me up or you will rise me up. It is a declarative, it is an affirmative declaration of his own consciousness. And he understood that because he had reached a level of consciousness that he understood the power of his word and the power of his intention and the clarity of his consciousness and his unbroken connection with spirit. He also said, you know, these things I have done, you shall do an even greater. And I've been, you know, Googling that all over the map for the last week, and it's very interesting to hear the perspectives on that. But what he was talking about is this idea of, of the expansion of consciousness, this awareness, this depth of understanding... He did it by an active, intentional, and conscious realization of his own. It was his doing that did it. It was his consciousness that set the intention and opened the doorway. Now, it's interesting because this, this story also comes from antiquity, the story of Horus. Horus was an Egyptian god, son of Isis, and he was crucified on a tree, and he rose again in three days. Now, this happens a few thousand years before the teacher Jesus came along. So what is it about this metaphor about the crucifixion and then the resurrection? So Easter, in, in what I'm drawn to, is this idea. This is just one idea. 
You can take it or leave it. But Easter is the shift from the material to the spiritual. And in that shift, the material life is transformed and even restructured. It is a shift from the totally material to a balance to step into the spirituality. And in that stepping in, in that deepening, our lives are restructured in a way that is in many ways beyond description. And the only way for this to happen, for our lives to be restructured, there has to be a death. We have, there has to be a crucifixion. There has to be room. Something has to die. The tree had to die so that these beams could be, could be shaped. The paint on the, on the, on the, on the backstop here and, the, and everything that makes up a musical instrument or paint on the wall, the cans of paint had to die to go on the wall. But everything, if you get what I mean, it's, it's a death of one thing for the creation of another. It's the nature of the world. Easter is a time to release a sense of personal inadequacy and move joylessly into a new dimension. That's what this season's about. This idea, I'm not good enough, I can't do it, I don't have the energy, I don't have the resources, it's time to let that die and create space for something new. And, when, and it's hard to do that when we think we're, we're, we're on our own, that we're all alone. And if we don't have enough, if we're not in high enough relationship with, with that divine nature of who and what we are, it's very difficult, it's impossible. This is how these things happen on the planet when things like the, the incident in Calgary happened. No sense of spirit, no sense of future, no sense of joy, anticipation, moving forward. Something wonderful is happening here. Man, I can't wait to see what's going to happen. What will it be? But, but that can be dead in us. doesn't mean it doesn't live, but it can be dead in us. To shift our perception, to see God in all activity. Ernest Holmes would say, God is everywhere present. God is everywhere present. And sometimes in those situations I just referenced and others, it's hard to see that. Where's God in that? But, the, but if God is present anywhere, it's present everywhere. And it's the only reality. Death, death and resurrection is the nature of our lives. It just is. And this is what Jesus was showing. He said, you know, whenever there's a divorce. Anybody here ever been, been through a divorce? Whenever there's a divorce. Yeah, there are a couple people here. Whenever there's a divorce, it's a death, it's a death of a dream. You know, when people come in to me, talk to me about the end of a relationship, they say, well, you're mourning. Because that's been the death of a dream. You had a dream about this relationship. A death of a loved one. A loss of a job. All of a sudden, the job, the job that you had for a long time is gone. Well, what happened? You know what? Your consciousness shifted. When consciousness shifts, after a while, it becomes unacceptable for us to stay where we are. And if we don't have spiritual practice, if we think we're all on our own with this, we're hooped. Where do we go? Hmm, it's scary. And then we can start numbing ourselves out with obsessive thinking, with addiction, healthy addictions, workaholics, or whatever holic you want to be. Walter Starkey, I was reading Walter, he's got a, book, a wonderful book called God is All There Is. And then Walter, Walter's, Walter's teacher, he says in the book, was his addiction. He was an alcoholic. And he said, God bless my alcoholism. It brought me to God. You see, all of it, even the stuff we think is horrible, is trying to get us back into alignment with the divine nature we are. It's, isn't it interesting to look at us? I mean, when we run around and it's like, I want to do this, and I got to get involved with this, I got to do that. I'm reading uh, Gabor Mate's book, uh, In the, the Realm of Hungry Ghosts, which is all about addiction. And it's everybody's longing to get back in connection with God. And he says, the, one of the outstanding characteristics about it is vulnerability. Most addicts have compromised their vulnerability. Because when we're not vulnerable, we shut ourselves down so we don't feel the pain. And I get it. I don't want to feel the pain either. And so I have compassion for that. But when we shut down the vulnerability, we shut down the joy. 
See, when we shut down the bad stuff, we shut down the good stuff. And that's part of standing and being vulnerable and saying, you know what? God and I are one. My life and spirit's life is one. This divine goddess energy. It's not just male. It's the female energy and the divine male energy as well. It's the balance of both of them. That's who I am. Yeah, and I got these crazy thoughts once in a while, but I don't give them any energy anymore. Every once in a while, the idea floats up. Does anybody ever have the idea that you're not good enough? Does that ever happen to anybody? Yeah, every once in a while I get that thought. It's like, look at that. I used to believe that. Isn't that great? It's still in the memory banks. It's still in there. I can go in there and type it in. I'm not good enough. There's a whole file there. At times I did that. And I just keep hitting the delete button now. Delete, 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 delete. I'm still deleting, but it's getting, you know, there's less of the files getting smaller. It's good. See, it's a progression. So every time, whenever there's a shift in consciousness whatsoever, the old identity has to go. We have been trained to view death as failure. We look at Calgary and that's a failure. And at some deep, 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 deep level that I will never understand and that the level of consciousness I am right now, there was something happening there for everyone. But I view it right now as failure. Jesus' own consciousness raised him up. We train, and when, what we must do is we need to train ourselves to see our difficulties as opportunities. That's our work. Whatever shows up, bring it on. Oh, this challenge? Got it. I said to someone the other day, we were having a meeting about something we're planning here, and I said, to me, it's not a matter of if. It's only a matter of when. Because I am committed to a certain course of action. I might have to live to be 150, but it's going to be when. <laughs> I'm, I, don't, don't tell me about if. It's when. Because I've decided, I've done my prayer work, I've looked deeply in my being, and I said, this is, my, this is what I'm called to. So it's not, a matter of, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And when is when I can grow into the consciousness of the thing and the spiritual prototype, the mental equivalent, that it requires to be of support to that. And, and, and also the clarity of what's mine to do and what is mine to, to surrender. How can I, all these things, and it doesn't matter what I'm talking about, for all of us, it's the same thing. What are you committed to? What are you devoted to? We train ourselves to see our difficult, to train ourselves to see our difficulties as, as opportunities. I've got a slide. Suzanne, can you pop that one up, the next one? There's the Grand Canyon. So number one, four points here. We must train ourselves to see our, our difficulties as opportunities. And so when we say God and I are one, if we're, and then we go into the doubt, we're, we contradict ourselves. It'll be coming up. The text will be coming up. So we've got to stop contradicting, contradicting ourselves. God is all there is. See, there's somebody happy. Somebody's singing. Our addictions, as I said earlier, and Walter Stark, he said, lead us to God. It is, a make, it is a mistake to call death an end because it is a beginning of newness. It is the resurrection. And we see it everywhere, the cycles of life. You can't even read that. What was I thinking? <laughs> well, I want you to know I'm going to take the second one that I can read. That said, we must train ourselves to see our difficulties as opportunities. Is anybody here having difficulty reading that as well as I am? <laughs> that is an opportunity right here. Awesome. Well, the second one says, we must learn, to, or third one, we must learn to walk by faith and not by sight. 
Walk by faith and not by sight. Set our intention and know that everything necessary for you and I to move forward in the direction that we choose will continue to appear. And to nurture this idea so that we're calling upon the assistance of the infinite wisdom and that divine intelligence, that intuition, as, as Jung talked about it. And the last one, we understand and know there is no death. There's no death. And Jesus demonstrated that. The story is that, that life is a continuum. Holmes said the same thing. Ernest Holmes said the same thing. Great mystics have said the same thing. You know, went down to Abhijani and all these unseen moon beings of light are poking me and touching me. Like, oh my gosh, she. And they said, wait a minute, Ernest Holmes wrote about this. Now I'm having the experience of why is this scaring me? But the point is, is that we are immersed in spirit. This room is full of thousands of, 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 of beings of light that we are being blessed by right now because we've invited it, we've invoked it, we've sung. And it's in all traditions. It's not just here. But to be open to that, to that experience that is just so powerful and amazing. And then when we become overwhelmed, we get to say, you know what, I can't figure this out. But maybe it's not mine to know right now. So what I, what I instruct this infinite intelligence within me to do is be loving and kind with me and guide me, guide me in the right ways and the right awarenesses that allow me to move through this. And to partner with spirit, to go there sooner rather than later. So we are, you and I, we're the light of the world. Everyone's the light of the world. But some of us decide to, to nurture that and, and bring that forth and live from that beautifully and wonderfully. So this season of Easter is really about celebrating the resurrection and the death. Beautiful. Thank you. Here's a beautiful song I'm going to invite you to join us in that I think is just so perfect for what we're about today. Thank you for shining your light wherever you are, wherever you go, a gift to your family. You know, sometimes our spiritual practice is just getting up on Monday morning and putting a smile on our face. If that's your spiritual practice tomorrow morning, thank you. <laughs>